thank you so kindly for taking the time to listen to the inaugural episode of Liberation. I am your host, LaCroix Hatcher. In this episode, we will be talking to evangelist Kevin McHenry of the Garfield Heights Church of Christ. Kevin will talk to us about his life and times in Cleveland, Ohio, some of the bumps in the road and the setbacks he had while in the military in Texas. He will also talk to us about some of the challenges, the joys and successes he's had while in the ministry. Please enjoy the show. He's passed. He, he's gone on the other way. I don't know anything about his extended family, which would, which would then be my family. Uh, so I haven't met anything on that side of the map. You know, I don't know anything about his family or aunties, cousins, aunts, none of that. So uh, I don't even, I never even had a conversation with my mother about the relationship. Mm. Um, what made it part like that and left me in the limbo of, no, of nobody and nothing. But that's just the way it is, you know, because I don't make excuses. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know anybody on that side. So I it, I know of you, your brother Chris, are, are y'all the only siblings in the family? Yeah, just two of us. Okay. Um, two of us. Yeah, a lot of cousins. Uh, but yeah, just me and my brother. Okay, okay. Okay, shout out to Chris. Yeah, yeah, brother twice. <laughs> twice yeah. that's right so other than that what was uh what was life like let's start out with emma what was those uh pivotal years with miss emma like you know um miss emma was she was firm but she was very loving uh typical grandma i mean oh throwback grandmother uh mm -hmm. all the little cliches all the little quotes and all uh, the little uh, things that they learned how to say going up through time. But uh, Ms. Emma was stern. And one thing about Ms. Emma was uh, she was a rock solid uh, church person. So we was in church all day, every day. You know, we was open. If church, every 10 meeting Brother Winston had, we was there. Every gospel meeting we came to Cleveland, we was there. Uh, and, and so uh, she was good, right? That good, hard working woman. Uh, she kept a job. She worked in a lot of manufacturers. Uh, she used to ride the bus too before she got that little, she had a little Nova and she had a little cricket. Uh, so she had, and so uh, we always go down to the market, fresh market, get fresh veggies, fresh fish. Great cook, man. Cook the best peach cobbler, apple cobbler on this side of the border, man. I mean, just outstanding in her cooking sings church songs all day, sing church songs and, and, and play Johnny Taylor and Bobby Womack at the same time. <laughs> uh, uh, Bobby Blues Bland and, uh, and, you know, things like that. But uh, good woman, man, good woman. So great experience because I think that uh, had she not grounded me in the church the way she did, even though I made a lot of left-hand moves, it was something always embedded with me. And I'm so glad that uh, once she led me to the hand of God, God never took his hand off of me. And so I'm glad about that. So shout out Miss Emma. She's been gone now for, uh, Miss Emma's been passed now for about, uh, about 10 years, I guess. Uh, right before I think you came over there with us, I think she passed probably about two years prior, maybe about 12 years. Okay, sound, sound about right. 
Yeah, about 12 years. I don't really hold days like that. Somebody's gonna probably critique, oh, he don't even know. Yeah, I just enjoy the life she lived. I don't just really put banners on dates they left. Uh, so, um, but yeah, she's been gone about 12 years. And so um, I was there when she took her last breath. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of a surreal moment. Mm. You know, seeing somebody pass has reared you and raised you. There's nothing you can do for them or to them or with them kind of brings you all of life back into perspective. Uh, the very fact that all life is in the hand of God and at the end of the day, everything is in the hand of God. So it was just a surreal moment with life with Miss Emma was a, was a surreal moment. <laughs> she kept it, she kept it funky all the time, man. Miss Emma was good and all that she did, man. Listen, all them late, oh, um, let me be respectful. <laughs> <laughs> All of those uh, are senior ladies of university back in my years growing up. Man, I remember uh, me, uh, the Carl's and Jake Lewis's of the world and, 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 and Gibson boys ripping and running through the University uh, Church of Christ hallways. Uh-huh. And man, I done came across that little lady's path a couple of times, she had to yoke me up. <laughs> <laughs> her, the Fanny Lewis's. Yeah, they don't um, care who's kid. You don't care who's kid you matter. are. Yeah, they don't, none of that don't matter. Anybody can get it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, all and all those ladies could cook, man. Those are some good memories. The Sister Scruggs is gone, passed on. Yeah. Sister Webster. Sister, yeah, yes. Yeah, man. So yeah, yeah. She didn't play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were serious. Love has been doing the, the Lord's table, the communion, ever since I knew her. Had a little, uh, from building to building, when we finally ended up at university, had her own little office, the communion office. Mm -hmm. She's going to take care and clean those trays, keep them polished, keep them on point, don't want no fingerprints on them, mm -hmm. and going to keep the cups full and the bread broken. Uh, that was her, her little uh, That was her thing. Yep. Yeah, that's her assignment, man. And, and she was diligent about it. That's another thing that, you know, for me, I guess some, sometimes my punctuality, it, hey, we was at church before church started. And she's going to make sure those trays is ready. Ain't no running out there while service going on, trying to get the table. The table is set by the church time. Church Sunday school is on. The, the table is already set. Miss Emma ready to go. So uh, always at church on time, morning and evening. <laughs> ready to go that, that makes sense now that, that makes a lot of sense now yeah <laughs> I, when when i started doing my ushering thing yeah it makes a lot of sense <laughs> bring them bring them trays back promptly and get out <laughs> yeah yeah but she was definitely a sweetie definitely a sweetie mm -hmm. um now let's get into the chapter of moms because i remember your mother mainly um from not only how well she could sing uh -huh. she was in the bowling league and i think at this point you were long gone we'll get into that um, uh -huh. but my father was a bowler um mm -hmm. kind of like a um uh semi-pro if you will but he definitely had his uh moments where he definitely spent time with uh, other congregants, whether it was um, 
Ambassador Lane, Southgate Lanes, you know, but that's where I came to know a lot more of your people. I didn't even know you existed. Uh, mm-hmm. This was when I saw Chris, saw your mother, uncles. So you familiar to- with, are you, you ever been familiar with Kingpin Lanes on 131st? You used to be oh. right, the right there before you go down the hill, Kingpin. That's the league we were in. I haven't heard that one in a minute. Yeah, King I remember South hearing it, but I don't think I've been there. Yeah, that's where we started. Cause I used to bowl too. We always, we always behind ourselves on the lanes, all of us. Oh yeah, your mom's a trash talker too. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, so you transitioned to your mother. Um, what was the biggest difference at that point? Uh, just being with your maternal parent, you know, that's, it's, it's a difference and I, and shout out to every grandmother that has raised children and grandchildren as their own remarkable job done hat off salute, uh, much props, uh, all that to the, every grandmother and grandfather that's taken on the role of being the mother mm-hmm. or the father. Um, but there's still nothing like, um, that maternal bond. So um, was it no big adjustment? Cause I was, cause I was too young to make adjustments. Um, I was like, hey, glad. it's not like I never knew my mom. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to uh, start living together again, moving right around to the 173rd uh, area over there off of South Miles and Tarkington, that area over there. And, um, my mom was still had a lot of Miss M in her. Uh, n- n- no, look here, we're talking D's, F's, I never knew what they were. C's, better be a good reason why. Just B's and A's, anything less, anything short, it was just unacceptable. Um, she kept my, my uh, ability to grasp was always been quick. So I went to a school called Beehive, it was for accelerant learners or uh, excel learners and that's how i ended up in whitney young at the same time whitney young has always been what it is now kind of like a magnum uh, you, you you had to be sharp to get in whitney young and so uh but mom didn't play but she was still a good mom I remember my first week uh she started uh having cars to wash her car and and when i wash her car it was always an opportunity for me to drive it around the corner to, to dry it off <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I used to drive around the corner, uh, drying off the car. And uh, back then, I had, I grew a whole lot of hair. I don't even got. I think I still got a couple of pictures, but I had hair. I was wearing my hair to school sometimes, like Snoop Dogg. I had to drop down, tucked up under. All the girls wanted to braid my hair. I wore the French braids, uh, cornrows, all that stuff. I've been through all that, man. My mom was pretty cool. None of that stuff didn't matter as long as my grades were where they were supposed to be. And I think a lot of times today, uh, our parents get off track on how their children look. Matters has got to be there, character's got to be there, but when your child is, is an excellent student and they're grasping and they're respectful, I don't think a lot can be put on them wanting to dress with the times or look like the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that takes away from who they are. I don't think that takes away from who God is going to allow them to be. Uh, so my mom wasn't like that. You know, whatever the style was or the fashion was, we weren't rich by no means. But my mom would 
find a way to make it happen. She work a job, work two jobs. Uh, she make it happen. And uh, so, you know, it was all good, man. Again, a church person, like you just said, she's a great singer. The whole, every, everybody could sing in the family except me. It, it jumped over me. Uh, my brother's a singer. My grandma, uh, Miss Emma Cassine. Uh, my mother, my uncle, Uncle Doug, uh, my auntie, my mother's only sister, uh, she passed on um, cancer, uh, God allowed cancer to send her home. Um, all my uncles, all of them, everybody could sing, but none of them could preach. So I got mine, they got theirs. <laughs> They're all singers. Uh, and I'm glad about it, but I, I'm a preacher, teacher. And, uh, but no, my mom's always been a singer. She kept us busy. Uh, we did a lot of things as a youth. I was on the National Junior Tennis League, so I know something about a tennis racket. Uh, we played ping pong. Uh, we played ping pong, uh, the bowling league. Uh, I played football from Whitney Young all the way up. Uh, so, you know, she kept me busy, kept me active, uh, kept me doing things. Uh, so she, and she was right there. She was at every football game, every tennis match. Uh, like I said, good mom, good, good mom, man. Just, and was a church person just like Ms. Emma. Mm -hmm. So I went from one church person to another church person, <laughs> still at church every day, all day. If the church doors was open for a congregated gathering, oh yeah, we was there. So, but I, again, I, I appreciate that because um, she put that in me and helped instill that in me and it's still there today. So I, I, I love her for that. That's what's uh, I, Yeah. So it was just a three, was it just a three y'all? Yeah, now she mom? remarried again. Okay. Uh, she had remarried. Um, to uh, my brother's dad and uh, we didn't get along, we didn't vibe neither. Uh, so that was just another experience, but it didn't stop me from doing what I had to do. Uh, and so it was always a, 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 a good, bad thing going like in Paul, which is always, well, I think just between me and Paul, Paul said he wanted to do good, <laughs> but evil will always show up. And when he, things he didn't want to do, he couldn't do. But the truth of the matter was a lot of things I wanted to do and I did them. And I just didn't really have all that much of an inkling not to do them. And so, um, my mother calling me now. And so, uh, but um, she she was no she was not no nonsense. She was serious about the things she was instilling in me. Um, the stepdad after after a little while she saw that that wasn't working, mm -hmm. and um, that was the next move. Got out of that situation and we ended up. We were, a matter of fact, we was we were some of the first occupants of Banbury Village. Uh, when mm -hmm. Banbury Banbury Village uh, first opened. It opened in sections, huh. and we lived in like one of the earliest sections opening on the backside, on the furthest east side of Banbury is where we stayed. And from there, then we ended up in Bedford Heights. So, uh, yeah, so I did some moving. 
like I said, with mom, all the way from about sixth grade on, man. Fifth or sixth grade on from email all the way out. But, yeah, uh, so y'all kept that U-Haul. Y'all kept U-Haul in business, basically. Kept them in business, right? <laughs> and you know, back then you put it, you, you tie, you tie, you tie stacks of mattresses on top of your car, <laughs> you know, and make a hundred trips moving in and out. Uh, boxes, bags, you know, whatever it meant. Because uh, we were virtually moving with what we had, and she would always go back and start new furniture and, and restock and rebuild. Me and my brother, we've always been blessed to have our own rooms. So, uh, you know, like I said, as poor as we were, we never knew it because we always seemed to be living a pretty good life. So, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think any of us um, really realized how unfortunate are the times we may have been in um, because of the family unit mm -hmm. I, um, I grew up in Warrensville it wasn't totally bad um, but I remember my grandmother down south and it just felt like the warmest biggest place but then when I got of age and went back there it's like Man, this neighborhood was a mess <laughs> I'm lucky I ain't get shot down here <laughs> and, now you can see right and just used to play all up and down the street and it's just like wow and and, and it the love, the the love those old school people instilled in us and what we lack in our communities now is just a huge difference. Total, total, total difference in the fact that uh, all up and down the street, uh, there were just certain things you had to do out of the sight of any adult. It didn't just have to be your parents when you were at that day and time, when you were going to be uh, mischievous, you had to be uh, artful, artful yeah. <laughs> at being, being mischievous because if the neighbors saw you, your mom was going to know. You know, if they didn't deal with you themselves, mom still was going to know. So you weren't running up and down the street doing things like we're doing now. Mm -mm. Like we're witnessing now, and, and I know times have changed, so I'm not knocking the youth, not knocking the parents. Just times is different, you know. So, like you say, yeah, we didn't know we was poor, and, and our family unit—I don't know—it was all about the bond of love, which love was there, but there was never any pressure to try to keep up with the Joneses. It, it don't seem like. Be, if anybody was doing good, they were doing just as good as you. So in, in, in reality, everybody was just as poor as you. <laughs> so you never, <laughs> so you never really, you know. Now you get the day and time when, if you if you're on the street and somebody get a Lexus or Infinity, oh trust and believe it's just a, by the time summer to summer or summer crosses to winter, somebody else is gonna have a Lexus or an Infinity. And I'm not saying that's not their car of choice. But you can just see the trend, mm -hmm. you know, and somebody gonna have to up the Lexus and up the Infinity. Now you got a Mercedes, or they got a Mercedes. Somebody down the street's gonna jump a BMW, a Beamer. So, but it wasn't like that growing up. Everybody had their Fords, you know. They, yeah. Everybody had their, their GMs, their Buicks, and you know, it was just 
it, it was just different. Yeah. It was different altogether. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have been relatively stern person. Mm-hmm. Uh pretty much from the time I've known you. Mm-hmm. Um where do you think that developed? Where who do you contribute uh, that to? It's in reality, it's like my whole life has been kind of under author, authoritarian rule um, from Ms. Emma to my mother, to the military, to my journey <laughs> outside of the world. Mm. Uh, Brother Winston was not uh, authoritarian, but he was firm. Pop was kind of like no-nonsense minister. Okay. But a great loving preacher. Great loving, cared about, cared about the family and the church more than any man I've met to this day. Hmm. You know. Uh, and I'm talking about men as far as having engagement with. I know there are other brothers out there that feel the same, especially the older brethren. Some of the brothers have gone on the other way, like Brother Evans per se. Uh brother or Nigga's Crenshaw, you know, brother. Washington down there is not doing too well. You know, you got the the host, the Hogan's, you got a whole slew of them. Um, and great men, but being and living with Brother Winston was kind of like the, you know, so you didn't do communion, you didn't usher, you didn't do anything. Brother Winston was walk through that church because we have more, the ministers back then were more, uh, full-time ministers than they are now because they had that kind of congregation. But Winston didn't work anywhere. It was the mm. church. And uh, the Winston could catch you on any moment, any day, any time, if you're in that building and when he stops you, he's he going to ask you for a verse. You better have a verse when Brother Winston stops and ask you. We're going to uh, talk to you and your parents about why you're not learning that Bible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it kind of like, but I'm gonna tell you the thrill of that, uh, my brother, was that as a young man in the church looking at Brother Winston from this frame, it made you want to go home and have a verse. You couldn't wait till he stopped you to have a verse. You was excited about having a verse when he stopped you. Hmm. You know, it put something inside of you. It was like, it didn't shame you. It didn't cower you. It didn't punk you. It didn't make you dislike the church. In fact, it made you want to go home and get with your mom or grandma in my case, or with your dad, maybe in your case, whoever, and say, I got to learn some scriptures, brother. Brother, brother, Mr. asked me for some scriptures today. And everybody knew that, uh-oh, you didn't have one. You ain't the only one in trouble, brother. Wilson going to talk to this whole house <laughs> about wow. why you don't got no scriptures. And so he stopped and asked you, give me the books of the Bible. I don't think it was a youth my age that didn't know the books of the Bible. Our bracket, that's what we knew, you know, so, uh, <laughs> and, and that's not nothing to brag about, to make anybody any more religious or uh, embedded in the gospel. It just puts something of the church inside of you that as a youth, it made you feel good and it, and it was something to adhere to. So I guess a lot of that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Even now, all these years later, and even as a deacon over at the boulevard, when our early encounters, uh, minister over the worship service, and it was kind of like, 
roll call in the military. Everybody had to be suited, shoes, shine, at attention. Or oh, are we, are we going to have a problem with you trying to serve and worship? Mm. You know, no walking in here at 1035 and, and worship started at 1040. You think you're going to grab something and serve the church? No, no, no. Because that's not the way I was brought up. And I've become a little more graceful than that because I realized that at the end of the day, punctuality is essential. Uh, order is essential. Um, a congregated effort looking united is essential. But I don't know if it takes the place of grace and mercy and allowing people to come into a togetherness, not being casual or dismissive, but just allowing people to come in together and mature to a place of all these things I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Understanding the need to be in Sunday school prior, understanding the need to call and communicate if you're running late. So it doesn't just look like you're just all in care about coming up. Cause, but we did uh, what we call sermon-ness or mini sermons on Thursday night, Brother Weston would have us. You had to present something from the Bible. Wow. And we're talking about 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Wow. 14, you, you're doing a mini sermon. Hmm. That's definitely missing. <laughs> so, I mean, all we do today with the youth is, and I don't know, we got Bible bowls and, and we have Bible questions and the youth conference and, and the churches are talking about who had the best youth and the, who won the youth. But I don't know if it's building better or stronger Christians in the church. Mm -mm. You know. It, it, it becomes a, a a social club type of thing. Almost. I'm not condemning. I'm not judging. It's just, at the, at the onset, we just said it's different. And it's just different. My grandma used to always say there's more than one way to skin a cat. So I found, yeah. I guess they found another way to incite and excite the youth to being joyful about church and the business of church. And if the Bible Bowl is one of them and the youth conference is one of them, praise God about it, you know? Okay. So, just that makes a lot of sense. so okay, so we transition into from um, househood to late teenage years after graduation. Uh, you said you graduated from Bedford and I rumor on the streets is you was a pretty good athlete. Oh man, we had uh, I, I did some of everything. Only thing I did not do was baseball. Baseball could not catch me. Baseball could not catch me, but um, basketball, football. I was pretty fast. Never thought too much about track. Track, track to me, and I see the glory in it now. I watch Hussein. I watch. Uh, we watched back then. Day we watched Michael Johnson. All them fast guys. But for me. I didn't see nothing in running from one line to another line. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely didn't see nothing in looping, looping the track, like the uh, relays. And I was just youthful. I guess I was more of a, I needed to shine. And so the basketball and the football, that's where the shine was, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, well, I'm, you know, always been a starter. Uh, from Whitney Young, I, I sat the bench a little while at Whitney Young, started, went to Warrensville, started 
the Bearcats. I played with a gentleman that most of y'all might be familiar with. that played with uh, Michael Jordan. I played uh, Warrensville with Brad Sellers. Uh, Brad Sellers was on the Warrensville, tried the mayor now mm-hmm. of Warrensville Heights. Yes, sir. Uh, we played on the basketball squad together with two other brothers, uh, Vincent and Vernon, or two twins. Um, and so we had a pretty good squad then. When I went to Bedford, we had a nice team. Never really done too much. We didn't really accomplish a lot. But I did get scholarships in football out of Bedford. And I had some scholarships to oh, nice schools. A couple of um, our uh, black colleges. Uh, there's a better name for them. HBCU. Yeah, HBCU. That's the, that's the political correct. But they're not a black college. Uh, HBCU uh, had a couple from there. Then I had a couple from you know the Colorado, the West Virginias. Hmm. So I had some kind of a big names on there. And I was a, not, went both ways, but I was as great at defensive back. So uh, I, I ran tail back. I never sat down. My son, I was on punching kickoffs. <laughs> so, so did you entertain college at all, or or you headed straight to the? I, I did, I did, but I can tell you, I was just so full of, uh, I was full of a lot of stuff. Probably stuff no Christian should even say on this, on on this broadcast or even in his heart. But I was full of it, and and uh, but um, wanting to get out, wanting to get out and not be up under and not again like we talked about earlier missing the father figure missing the man uh, and at that point probably any man uh, just my mom or my grandmother and everybody's always telling me what to do and so i didn't have the i really missed an opportunity i'll be honest about it okay uh, because the scholarships that i had were again these are full rides but at 17 years old, I'm graduating at 17. Mm-hmm. All I can think about was no more school and get out on my own. I graduated in um, May. I was in the military by August. I was going to the Air Force. Oh, so wow. I, was, I, was, okay. I was wasting no time. I was actually enlisted in the Air Force at 17 years old because my birthday is not till October. So I was already in the military before I even ever turned 18. I had to go in with the signature, of course, but being a graduate of school already, then too, that wasn't really just all that necessary back then either, so. Um, so but I, was that by choice or or mom said, this is where you need to be? No, mom wanted me to go to college. Oh, okay. But I, didn't, I didn't see the benefit of it. I, I didn't see the, I was tired of school and I was, I just wanted to get away and be on my own. Gotcha. So again, I think if I could have had somebody to sit down and show me everything that I was going to need now, then, and that's our jobs as young black men, older black men, younger black men, speaking to yourself, we have to make sure we let these youth know from where we are now, how important getting all the education they can now, because when they get to our place where we are now in life, they will need those tools. They, they're going to need those too. Now, granted, if one of them is smart enough to come up with another Google or another Yahoo mm-hmm. or another Instagram, 
or something. Then, then, then they might strike it rich. They won't need it. But uh, the eyes of that, and I'm not saying it's un, un, uh, unimaginable or eyes that cannot happen because mm-hmm. things can happen. But just on the general point, all of our young brothers need to know that the education and the further education is key. Is key. Uh, if I had to point in direction, I would still point toward uh, getting something theological as well as something that equips you for the world. Uh, that's just the way I would point. But you definitely got to get something that's going to equip you for the world. Uh, it opens more doors for you. Uh, I wish, and I know we talk about this, Christians, you don't wish, you don't think back, but as I reflect back, and we'll say things like, I wouldn't do anything different. God meant for things to happen this way. And it's not that God meant for things to happen this way. God prepared things along the way because he knew what choices we would make. Mm. See, I think that's where sometimes we get our theology mixed up and we put things on, well, God meant for me to be a dad at, at 14 years old because that's the path he drew out for me because he knew that it was going to, no, God didn't never plan for you to be a father at 14 and you ain't even married. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so don't put that on God, but because God has blessed you beyond the child at 14 or 15 or 16 or 17, he's blessed you beyond that is because in his uh, omnipotent person and omniscient person that he is, he knew the choices you were going to make and he made a way for you. That's really what it means. He made a way out of no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, no way you're supposed to be where you are today, but God made a way. No mm-hmm. way you should have accomplished the things you've accomplished, but God made a way. Uh, so when we talk about God made a way out of no way, no way you should have been where you are, except God made a way. He knew that you would make the choices you were going to make. He knew I was going to make the choices I was going to make. And so, uh, but when I look, back from a human perspective as I reflect backwards. Uh, I was talking about the school. I, I was trying to take those scholarships. People said, well, you don't know what would have happened then. Yeah, we don't know. But I still say, if I could do it again, I would have rather take those college invitations and, and change the course of my life. If, if Tamika was a part of it or my children, I don't look that deep into it. You know, well, you're gonna miss your family if things go different. I'm not looking at that. I'm just talking about what I should have gained out of the opportunities that I was presented with. That's what we got to give our young folk, boy and girl, black men, uh, black girls or young ladies, black boys or boys of color, trying to get away from the word black. There's no such thing as a black boy or a black girl. Uh, You ain't never seen a black girl or a black boy. You ain't never seen a white girl or a white boy. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is look at that paper right next to you or that microphone. <laughs> that's what black looks like. And that shirt you got on, that's what white looks like. Right. You have never seen nobody in either one of those two colors. <laughs> so I'm really trying to get out of that language because it's just improper language. But we've got to teach our little young black children the importance of education and opportunities as they present themselves. So I'm gonna give you a chance to go to college or you get an invitation to go to college, get a chance to go abroad and learn something or being part of an internship, take it. 
Mm-hmm. All it can do is add to you. If it's not for you, your path will change later. But meanwhile, you have something in your bag, like like old boy uh, Samuel Jackson. What's mm-hmm. in your wallet? <laughs> if you have something in your wallet, meanwhile, you'll be adding things to your wallet as you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So uh, I told you we would be candid. And mm-hmm. you can go as far as you want to go. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of those um, experiences mm-hmm. um, that you swerved into the left lane on. Mm-hmm. I got to the military. Still a little bit wild. Still a little bit doing a little bit of things. Uh, in and out. Always, always getting away. See? When you get away with things and things get by you, sometimes you get a little bit too slick for yourself. Mm. And uh, I teach my children all the time, I don't care what they're doing, you can talk to me and your mom. Don't make a habit out of shortcuts and don't make a habit about about trying to be slick. Slick has a way of catching up to you. Yeah. And I look at the pattern of my life because we just talked about being a good athlete and I tell you right now, man, uh, back to anybody in my, co- nobody in my college days, is go- I mean, my high school days, I was going to tell you I was a slouch on any level, period, you know. But I was so good and so smart that while everybody, while we're doing our 20 laps in our tour days, you know, morning and evening, I'm chugging along. <laughs> People laughing at me. Whoever say 20, me too. <laughs> Whoever get the 10 laps first, me too. But it never showed up because I was fast. I was in shape. I was good, pretty strong. Um, I had an attitude, chip on my shoulder. I always played hard to the, to the whistle. And, and so I was able to cheat along the way. I was able to shortcut along the way. And uh, unfortunately, when you start building those kind of habits early, you don't break out of them. Uh, usually you don't break out of them until something impactful turns you around. For me, I'm in the military, doing good. Um, just got my first stripe, been in about a, a little bit over a year now, and boom, there it is. I'm caught up in something with a good friend of mine. Uh, and I still say it was a good friend of mine. I met him at um, in basic training. We ended up going to tech school, Chanute in Illinois, Champaign, Illinois together. Then we ended up in Texas together and we got caught up in the streets doing things, doing things, you know, women getting high, drinking. So, and all those kind of things like you said, just kind of would shape me because People right now don't get me in my seriousness. They think I'm mean. They think I'm too uh, by the book or I'm overbearing. And what I've learned through all of that is what you have and you understand is now doesn't have to be later. See, everything you have now and what you know to be now as a given could change in a heartbeat. So for me, what I learned is shortcutting, shortcutting, uh, not being, I think I told the class, uh, this might give some insight to anybody that hears it and now to go back, listen to every sermon, how I talk, how I preach, how I teach, uh, integrity. 
it is not a stronger word. And I know we in the Christian world, we want to talk about love is what Christianity is all about. Yeah. Uh, and I teach compassion. Yes, yeah, what it's all about. Uh, humility is what it's all about. But I'm going to tell you what, you can take love, compassion, humility, and you can put all three of those in the biggest basket of Christianity that you can find on this earth. And if you don't have integrity, your love won't be genuine. Mm -hmm. Your compassion won't be thorough and through. Right. And your humility will borderline false humility. See, yes. because you're missing integrity. See, so I think integrity is a powerful word that's got to be introduced and talked about more in the Christian realm. Uh, integrity has got to be something that's discussed with more um, emphasis. Because everything else, man, if you're not if you're not a person of integrity, all of the other things you practice in the Christian realm, they won't have any oomph to them. <laughs> yeah, it, it it comes across as shallow, superficial. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what? Besides the shallows, is completely hollow. It, it, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You're nothing more than a, a Christmas tree, You're just an imitation of what a real pine tree is. Absolutely. And there's nothing, even the sin is different, the odor is different. And, and the thing about integrity is so many people lack it that it's acceptable by other people. And when you are a person of integrity, you will, let me tell you something you will be misunderstood by the masses mm. because too many people don't have it. See, but when you don't have it and I don't have it and she doesn't have it and she doesn't have it, man, we'll bond and blend so together because at the end of the day, it is what we say in the streets, real, no real. Well, we know we all sucking and jiving a little bit. Right. Then when this person steps in here, that's, that ain't shucking and jiving. All of us are looking at each other like, what's this trip? Who do you think he here? Mm -hmm. Because we recognize that he has something that we don't have or she has something we don't have and it's called integrity. You know, and, and you try them on every level and you can see them stumble, you can see them make mistakes, but you see how they get back up mm -hmm. and how they get back on track and how they can even admit they made a mistake that's still part of integrity. Right. And I just think it's something that we have to really get back to placing inside the uh, order of our Christian work or Christian life. Mm -hmm. Because he held me and kept me and kept me to set me here. I think now I understand when it says to whom much is given, much is, required. much is required and i think a lot of people like i said i'm probably one of the most misunderstood uh preachers or brothers whatever you want to call me uh but because people don't know my story don't know the depth of my story they can't figure me out and what they do is look for kinks in my armor you don't have to look there's kinks in my armor there's chinks in my armor uh, I, I know there are mm -hmm. But the seriousness and the dedication and the diligence and the devotion 
that I give to God, not to the people. I give it to God first and it just happens to spill over into the eyes of the people. Uh, is because of all of this. I know I've been given a new lease, if mm. you will. And, and so the people that are around me, uh, let, let's just call it what it is. I demand they have the same mentality because I know what life can be like for them if they're not careful to heed. Mm. Uh, I don't want to nurture nobody through a divorce because you thought it was okay to get out on your wife. I don't want to nurture nobody through what I went through because you thought you could take the chance. I don't want to nurture nobody through things that I could give a hand to prevent. You know, so I, I see his hand in that. I see his hand at the time I did it because uh, like I said, um, I, 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 I outgrew uh, a couple jumpsuits, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so, but when I look at it now, um, retrospectively, um, or retrospectively, um, I see that he still was um, allowing me to come into the fullness of what I needed to be. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't all getting out of me and uh it was in it was in egypt they went in egypt hungry and thirsty and it turned into a long time and they didn't come out until they were a full man yeah. as a nation mm -hmm. and even when they come out came out as a full man they weren't perfect, they weren't right, they weren't committed, but they were still full a full man as a nation uh, coming Go out. some fights. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like I said, if, if somebody's looking for, and I've been tried and tested here, out here, now, inside the brotherhood, outside the brotherhood, and they're kind of gets to a place where people have to do like they did Jesus and create a false witness <laughs> yeah, to put something on me. And it's not because I'm perfect. I say, you don't have to look for anything. I can give you something to just say, oh, see there? See what he did? He ain't wash his hands. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't say grace for his time to eat that chicken. <laughs> I can give you a real reason not to like me. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So you, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to look far to find chinks in my armor because I'm not trying to project myself as uh, by any means a complete work, mm -hmm. but I understand the seriousness of the work, uh, committed to the seriousness of the call. And, and because I know he had a hand in me even being on this side again. So, yeah. Okay. That's I'm at with that. Mm -hmm. um, this probably isn't talked about in many people's transformations, but was there any temptations along the way you 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 always have something pulling you. Uh, you know, the Lord said that uh, when He sweeps a house clean, uh, if you don't put nothing in there, you know, whatever was cast out was going to come back and it's going to bring seven more with Him. Right. So your condition is worse than it was at the beginning. And so when I came back to Cleveland, and everything was jumping. Everybody was getting the bag, and things was happening fast. And so I was like, "Yeah, I got to get the bag." And so. Uh, yeah, streets was mean in 99. <laughs> yeah, so, 
So all that stuff is trying to uh, trying to get 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 it fast, mm. and uh, but it didn't last long because it, it was just a matter then of uh, again more than way one way to skin a cat. I was kind of like a the Jamaican that wasn't a Jamaican. <laughs> I had like about two or three jobs here, two or three works there. Uh, and I just kept it, kept it going, kept it going. And I was always able to get a good, a pretty decent job, you know? And so um, those things for the fear of venturing back didn't have any hold on me. That was quickly cast out and cast aside because there was no way no way I could do that again. Okay. Okay. So, and, and let's rewind a little bit. So, what's what? How old was you uh, when Brother Winston and them got you in the water? Uh, I was thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. So, all right. So we we got that established. So we working. Uh, I'm sure you probably what went back to university. I did. Okay. I did. She was going through her own storm. Amen. <laughs> um, what did you see during no, during that storm? Did that shake you? Did that put some uh, wind underneath your sails to take you back down another avenue? Uh, not at all, because I knew that. Uh, somewhere along the line, somebody was still trying to do the right thing. And um, and so for that reason, I wanted to be part of that number of the one or the ones that was trying to do the right thing. Uh, a lot of people got swept up in the storm that was taking place then. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people got swept out in the floods and the waters of that storm. Amen. But... Uh, for, for the most part in in faith or in love faith, not even with all the knowledge that I can have now, I, I was pretty much anchored. I knew that there was no other place for me to be beside the Church of Christ. Uh, I knew that there was not a, another place that I wanted to be beside uh, the land, uh, you know, Cleveland or, or whatever. And so at the time of the storm, uh, another ark was being built. <laughs> And so I just happened to drift into the uh, another arc, um, and uh, and I think I flourished in that direction because again, I, when I say I look at all things the way the Lord moves, I don't think I would be where I am now had I stayed at University. It was a, a transition of season and time. As you said earlier, when the fullness of time had come, I had got all I could get out of all that the Lord had for me out of university had already been given to me. So he had to set me in another place. Mm-hmm. You know, when people look at the chronology of the, of the plight of Israel, uh, I forgot, I used to have the exact number, uh, but they spent all those years in Egypt accidentally. You see, they didn't go into Egypt because of any sin, but they had been enslaved. And so they knew what slavery was like. Mm-hmm. They had been engulfed and trapped and, uh, and they knew what it was like. But it didn't stop them from getting back into old habits and it didn't take them long. Exactly, exactly. 
because as soon as they crossed over into what God had promised them, and we're not exiting out of uh, Joshua, got my Bible books in order here. <laughs> we're exiting out of Judges, I mean, Joshua into Judges. The Bible says every 40 years, and the people did as they wanted and as they pleased God, then somebody would capture them, and then God raised up another judge, mm -hmm. and he hear the cry of the people, they free them, and they get back in line, and when this prophet is or this judge is dying in old, the people start doing what they want to do, and, and it was a cycle. Yeah. And so um, we're pretty much like that today. Yeah. Every man does. Yeah. Right now, like on site. Cycle. And uh, even though you know the outcome, you know it's going to be ugly. You know it's going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think somewhere in the subconscious. I don't really want to say we take it for granted. I'm going to be honest. I just think we don't take it into account that we're, um, you know, we look at them. When we read the book of Judges, we're looking at these people like, man, they just kept doing the same thing and God kept delivering them. I think it's the exact same way in 20. People know when they get in trouble and they know when God got them out. But if you give them five to seven to seven to 10 years, if they aren't truly delivered in their mind, they'll do it again, banking on God to get them out. Mm -hmm. You know what See, I mean? I, I think sometimes people have a, a a conscious concept of God, but they're not convicted. Not convicted. I said, I got you know, I, you know, that's my new thing. I mean, you had to talk about that. They haven't had an experience. <laughs> They haven't had an experience with God. They just have uh, casual encounters or casual interludes. You know, interludes are things that take place at take place at the bar, at the club. An interlude. Uh, we brushed against one another. We had an exciting moment. We had an exciting time. It was, you know, I, I just thought about her, man. We had a good time that night, but there's nothing there. So that wasn't really an experience. It was an encounter. See, the new word is entanglement. <laughs> yeah, entanglement. You know, God, God cannot be an entanglement. No, you know, no. Uh, God can't be, and we can't treat God as an entanglement, something we just happened into, and we knew we didn't even really belong there. It can't, it can't be that way. And uh, and so I see the, the judge, the book of Judges, as something that's. Even though we have it to look at, it's real and it's real right now. And uh, God is still, God's so graceful and so merciful that He still pulled people out and people still go back. Yeah. He, and, he, uh, he trying to pull you out of the water, you rather drown sometimes. You, want, you rather you rather test the water, see how long you can hold your breath. As opposed I was going to say because you ultimately believe, and I have to teach it that way in the New Testament because a lot of things we don't want to teach the wrong way is that uh, because His namesake is on it, and because His Spirit envelops you for the day of redemption. <laughs> He's not going to let you drown. Watch this. He might let you go under. 
He might even let you enter the realm of death uh, because God has the power, watch this, to resuscitate. <laughs> so, <good>. sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes, so uh, sometimes because he's redeemed you and because he's purchased you and because he's sealed you and he's given you a promise, see, God can't break his promise. So even though, like you said, we're doing the most dastardly things <laughs> and the things that just really mock God. Now, when it says God is not mocked, some of this stuff can catch up to you now. Mm -hmm. It can land you in a jumpsuit. <laughs> but again, no matter how long you're in a jumpsuit, he is still rescued. It can land you in a place addicted to drugs. No matter how many houses you lost, how many relationships were broken because of your addiction, he is still rescue you. You know what I'm talking about? He won't, but sometimes he might have to resuscitate you. Uh, Jesus told the disciples, we told Mary and Martha, and he told the disciples as well, I didn't run to the sickness of Lazarus because he's not dead, he's just sleep. Mm -hmm. I said, he's asleep. And even though we understand it as uh, the resurrection, and it was because he was asleep for four days, is really a resuscitation. He put life back in him when it seemed like life was gone. Mm. Right. So I believe, and that's my belief. Somebody can disagree. I know somebody, I hope somebody listened to this. I hope they have a disagreement so we can uh, exchange ideas. I don't believe in my, I don't believe like now you and I are talking, I'm gonna go out here and start getting high and drinking and watch God rescue me. I don't believe. <laughs> I, I was telling somebody at work the other day that sometimes when we see guys out here, because every now and then, I can be honest with you, when I see bums out here, and I'm calling them bums, that's probably not even a proper word, probably a rude word, but I don't have a better word. I'm, I'm not I'm not polished. Uh, when we see the beggars, uh, the bums, or whatever we want to call them, I, I, I often give them monies. And one of my coworkers, you know, because he was he was doing a job and he was like, man, I, I, I told him they can get a job just like me. Uh, they, they can work. I, I said, how do you know that? What you mean? They got two feet. They out here asking for money. I said, have you ever stopped to think about what got them into this place? Have you ever stopped and you look at one of those persons and you're looking at them like that? They can go get a job. They can go uh, pick up trash on the street or whatever. But do you honestly think that a person in their right mind, man or woman, went to bed tonight, bedtime is 10.30. You go to bed at 10.30. Do you think you went to bed with an idea to wake up tomorrow and walk away from your home and live on the streets and slip and sleep on grades mm -hmm. for heat, sleep on grades downtown, uh, unshaven, unbathed uh, clothes, wherever you can scrounge up from. Do you think anybody went to bed and planned to do that tomorrow? No. Something traumatic in their psyche happened or unleashed on all of their 
on the and the and it evaporated or their total capacity of ration and reason, and they lost it. Yeah, they were gonna have good sense. They can talk to you and I. Thank you, man. God bless you, brother. Thank you. But something happened to them that made them walk away from life as we know it and not have enough in them to just say, man, I'm gonna go clean up and I'm gonna find me a job and change my world. So when I give them a dollar or two or two dollars, they kiss me around the right place. I take them in there and buy them a breakfast or coffee. It, it doesn't bother me because I know wherever they are, this moment of kindness can still, the kindness and the love of God still penetrates the deepest of hurts the deepest of pains, the deepest of confusions, love is still the strongest impact. And if me buying a $5 breakfast or a $2 coffee breaks me, I, I don't need, I need to go join them and be a, and live on the streets with them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they free, this, they free of the responsibilities we got, so. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes, and sometimes they don't even think about it like that. They're not looking at, oh man, I get to escape and ain't no bill collapse. I care people after I say, sometimes when you get through just living through the woes of life, this bill, that bill, I told you that before, the house note and everything, the wife, the children, just everything. It's like, I could never do it. But, but sometimes I, I get how somebody can just walk away and say, you know what, man, I'm finna go sleep out here. Right now, when you sleep in your car, you lock your doors. You want to make sure your doors is locked. These people are sleeping on the, in the middle. They're not worried about somebody mm -hmm. killing them. They're not worried about somebody beat them. They don't have nothing to steal. They don't have no ID on them. They just... Whatever. Ain't no bill collectors looking for them. Ain't nobody about threatening to kick them out their house. Ain't nobody threatening to take their job. You don't have to worry about filing taxes in October, I mean, uh, January, February. Nobody's going to understand. I'm not going to say you owe me $5,000. None of that. Yeah. But I still don't think they woke up with that as a plan to do. No, no. I and agree and that. So, that, so for that, we have to be careful how we handle people out there that have been pushed over the edge. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, when you think of... um. Even Jesus saying the poor will always be amongst you. So they, they ain't going nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, this if, if it happened 2,000 years ago, it's going to keep happening another 2,000 years ago until God says so. So. It's going to always happen. And I think that um, it's our duty to when we encounter or when we come upon, we have to be believers of the love and the power of God. Right. Me buying them a coffee or giving them a dollar might not change their life, but the Bible still says all we do is plant and water and God brings the increase. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're looking at all the church cliches, don't give them a fish, teach them how to fish and all of those nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to call it nonsense. I, I hear you. I hear you. But you, 
we have to just be careful that even in our exercising of wisdom, we don't miss the simplicity of the word. Mm -hmm. uh, 5,000 people plus following Jesus, 4,000 people plus following Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't even got to go any further. The disciples said, send them home. We, we can't feed all these people. They should, here, here we go into 2020. They should have brought lunch before they left the house. <laughs> Why they pack nothing to eat? Yeah, It's good to fast anyway. You don't need nothing. Some of y'all can stand and lose weight anyway. <laughs> Everything except for sit them down and feed them. Right? We look for reasons not to feed them. Yeah, look for reasons not. Well, you know, we, we, we feed them. They're going to have to keep on feeding them. They're going to keep coming around. Uh, we worry about tomorrow. <laughs> well, tomorrow, <laughs> every that's all the stuff we, that's all the things we say today. It's just, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's funny, it's comical, it's, it's laughable. And, and but we use all those things, and, and the church practices them, they practice them like they practice Matthew through Revelation, <laughs> you know, teach them how to fish. We can't just be giving away, um. The the pro the problem with today's church, um, and I think maybe the fault of the Church of Christ in general, and I'm broad stroking, is we know the letter, we've lost the spirit of the letter. Yeah, yeah. We we we, we, we try so hard to get it right that we miss it right. Absolutely. I think if Jesus was to come today, he would have to give us the Sermon on the Mount all over again. Because mm -hmm. that's what he did. And, he and, and, he and you know what? I can't, the, the scripture isn't coming to my head right now, but he even said about the Pharisees, what they teach is right, but how they act is wrong. Yeah, do what, do. What they say, but not as they do, is what That's he it. said. That's it. Um, and, and so they got it. They know what to do, but they don't do it. And I don't want to say that that is. Uh, I'm going to just um, orchestrate differently the work. I don't think it's the problem with the church. I think it's some of the mannerisms that the church has incorporated. Yeah. Um, we, do a good, we do a good job of running people off. And and, and, and it's still the mannerisms because the church, uh, when, I, when I look at First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, what happened? You still can hear me? Yeah, I still hear you. Oh, okay, I did something clicked off because the church today I look at First Corinthians 15, um, the word of God says that uh, and when the and when he has put the enemy, I think it's down around uh verses uh, got to be deep in first Corinthians 15. I I need to make sure somebody might want to visit that just in case. Um he says something real interesting, and which is why. 
where all of the churches, the idiosyncrasies of the, the church, I'm understanding a little more. Oh yeah, down right around verse number 27 says, when he's put all things under his feet, when he said, oh, he has put all things under his feet and the last enemy that would be abolished is death is what he says, he said. But when he says all things are put in subjection, he's not talking about himself. Uh, but he says that, um, over at number 24 says, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God and the Father. Mm -hmm. So we think about that concept then, the church is going to be as he is perfect. The, the ideal of the church in the mind of God is ready to go. It's just a matter of everybody hasn't been saved. That's what the revelation letter tells us. But some of the mannerisms and the behaviors of many Jew would say are stains in the love feast. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, the spots and 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 the spots in, in our feast. Uh, doesn't paint the healthiest. We're not. We're not so proficient at running people off as we are inefficient or insufficient in keeping people gathered or we don't work effortlessly to hold people as we work to find reasons to box the church or compartmentalize. We've created, just like the Pharisees in the we've created our own rules and established our own standards. Yeah. And if the people don't, I can take us a whole other direction right here. And I'm gonna give the readers, I'm gonna give everybody out there that likes to read a new book. And you know me, I stay reading. And, and the book is a shout out and it is an endorsement. So I'm gonna expect my money back. Uh, uh, the book is called Cast, C-A-S-T-E, The Origin of Our Discontentment. And I can tell you, it's by Isabella Wilkerson. Isabella Wilkerson, uh, I just began reading the book. I'm probably about 10 chapters in. And um, talks about how a lot of the ways that we treat one another uh, is based on how we've been taught to look at one another. And so I don't know how's that tied in back in what we say, because in the church, um, well, you, you said it well, in our effort to get it right, we miss right. And uh, even I preached that Sunday, I said, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceeds your righteousness, the Pharisees, you know, even the Pharisees, even those that he called hypocrites, even though that he called uh, vipers, even those that he called uh, evildoers or son of Satan, <laughs> and your father, the devil is what he said. 
He said, even they know how to tithe. Mm -hmm. So they know how to do the right things. It's just that they never show their hand. They always got one hand behind their back. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where we become artful at, keeping one hand behind our back. And so our little cliches, I, I love I mean clicks, I love pockets. Um, and that's what we're trying to avoid here at Garfield Greater Heights. And we're really trying to build, and I know everybody in the church is not gonna be bosom buddy best friends, I get that. But while we are small and we're growing, people say, well, y'all swelling. Well, I think we've had like about uh, five baptisms, six baptisms, five baptisms, uh, prior in the COVID. <laughs> yeah. So so we're not just swelling, but we're growing. And the thing about it is what we're trying to do at this number is create a healthy environment of caring about one another, praying about others' problems mm. instead of castigating. You know, yeah. uh, all, all just got to do is come in here one Sunday carrying a baby and everybody want to know why you're a leader and your son got a baby. He ain't married or, or my daughter have a baby and, and oh, the preacher daughter had a baby. What are you teaching them at home? You know, we do all of those kind of little bitty silly things. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the audacity to ask her, how you going to have a baby and you the preacher daughter? Mm. Yeah, we just, we just look for ways to look better. And it's all part of the cast. I know that society knows we're a low class discount people. So I'm not as bad as the low class and the discount people. So when I get a chance to stand up over you and put you down, I have to because I'm not like the low caste people. I'm not the low I'm not like the untouchables. <laughs> mm. So I have to raise myself up and, and make myself a little bit better than the rest of you. And we bring that into the church. That's sad. That's sad. Yeah. We bring that to the church. So the lovely Tamika, 99. When did you when did you meet up with this young lady named Tamika? Um, two thousand two thousand one. I met her when we was uh, transitioning from university to uh, it was the Sawinski Church of Christ then. Mm -hmm. uh, I met her at one of these at one of the banquets. I was throwing a banquet, and I met her there, and uh, kind of. We kind of, we kind of dig. We have vibes. We, we, we made vibes real quick. You know, was able to feel one another. And, now, now, watch what you say, because I'm, uh, I'm gonna ask her at a later point. Now, was you the apple of her eye, or was she the apple of your eye? She was the apple of my eye. Matter of <laughs> fact, matter of fact, I, 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 I got it with the, I got it with it. Let's get together and, and study the Bible and have prayer sometime. There you go. <laughs> Look, you can't get nobody to deny a Bible, man. You thought you were slick. <laughs> what? I just want to study. <laughs> we're just going to study. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we, I was probably, she probably wanted to study the Bible and I was studying the anatomy of the body. <laughs> you know, she was studying the biblical body, wanted to know more about the biblical body. I was looking at the anatomy of her body. <laughs> and uh, so we, we were studying uh, things pertaining to the body. I think we just had different bodies in mind. So, um, that's that's an honest answer. That's that's what I'm looking for in this show. We need some honest answer. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So I mean that that's it. So, so what kick started? Uh, we're gonna keep fast forward now. So what kick started the marriage ministry at the Boulevard? Uh, just just seeing the state of the marriage, and, and it was funny because um, there were a couple of attempts to launch it prior to her and I hmm. launching it. Okay, uh, I didn't know that. And so when we were actually wanting to start it, uh, we were told that uh, <laughs> it, it, it ain't going to work because they've already tried it a couple of times. And we kind of almost an attempt to discourage us. And hmm. um, so we were told to write out our proposal, write out what the uh, the plan was, the direction was, what the class was going to do, what the ministry was supposed to do, what we were looking forward to do. And then we once we was able to map that out and get that out, we kicked it off. And then we had people coming to uh, the Sunday. We did it every, every uh, second Sunday, every first Sunday. I think it fluctuated between first and second uh, after worship and uh, started with our couples here, but it was never just open to our couples here. We opened it to the con- to the church of Christ in the land. Mm-hmm. And um, before we long, we had people coming to the marriage ministries from Cincinnati, Columbus, the West Side, uh, Akron, everywhere, you know, people were coming to just for those two hours on Sunday. We had a couple of spectacular sisters, Brother Ben's uh, mother, who she's now gone, an angel from the Lord, I, and I call her that understanding all the scriptural defiance there, but uh, she was truly mm-hmm. angelic in her person and being. Yes. yes. And uh, Sister Borden, Sister Bowden, uh, we had another sister that used to help us. Uh, they take care of all the children. Oh, uh, Diane's, I don't, oh, no, not Diane, because Diane was married. Uh, I forgot who it was, but we had a few sisters just to go back there and take care of all the children. Wow. Sister Foster, yes. uh, before she passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sister Foster, uh, oh, somebody, one more part, can't think, Sylvia Davis. Um, we used to go. They keep all the children, and we make sure they ate. And they, and it wasn't really. They might ask them some Bible questions or Bible class or whatever, but it really wasn't. And so they would bring games, they had the Nintendos and all that stuff. Keep them entertained because everything I hear was a no kids because we talked about grown folks stuff, the marriage. Yeah. Then we had our first banquet at the building, and we had probably about. Last 15, 16 couples, it was nice. But even at the building, 15, 16 couples with a with a table, with a boot, boot, uh, buffet of food was kind of crowded. So we said, next time we got to rent a hall. Uh, so I just show you how God is moving and all this. So we found a hall way out here in Garfield where we are. And I was like, we came full circle. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it was right down from the place we were worshiping at, the uh, nursing home was at. 
And um, we got with him, my wife got with him. And uh, I said, you know what? We're just gonna let y'all have the privilege. We're renting this place for $300. Mm. We had our own catering team, a lady that my wife knew she had her own team. Uh, so the last one we did, so that we, we carried the ministry for about five years, four years, five years. And so the last banquet we did, we had anywhere close, anywhere between 180 and 200 people. So we're talking about anywhere from 90 to 100 married folk. Hmm. How did y'all get the How did y'all get the word to spread like that? Because everybody started talking about the marriage, our marriage conversations on Sunday was so powerful and impactful. Mm. Uh, ministers were coming. We had different speakers at the banquet. Our brother Edmondson from Cincinnati, brother Burr spoke at one. I think brother Edmondson spoke twice. Brother Solomon spoke at one. Uh, so we were having different speakers. Uh, and, and, and guess what? I never spoke at one. See? Hmm. That's how humble. That's how humble you boy. I, I never had the inclination. Uh, I, I always wanted somebody else to come in and share with us, but word of mouth, um, and and we make sure everybody tells somebody. We uh, it's not about the Church of Christ; it's about marriage, and hopefully come in understanding what God's ideal of marriage is. We can evangelize all at the same time through marriage. Hmm. So when we had our banquets. People would come. That weren't church, you know, they had the tickets that had a cost on it. People would come. Uh, we had, uh, a, uh, uh, we had a saxophone player, live jazz one year. Oh, nice. We had um, a, a group that's, that's very popular, has radio play and albums and CD. We had Sarah's Girl came and held us down one year. Hmm. Um, we had another a jazz band. So, because we wanted to be a relaxed, we played games, we gave away prizes, the best dress. I think our brother Ray and Linda won King and Queen one year, then brother worship and sister worship run King and Queen, you know, the best dressed couple or the most deserved. I believe you're right. We gave gave away couples, we gave away gifts to the longest standing marriage in there. We gave away gifts to the newest, the newlywed, the most youngest marriage in there. Um, we play games. Um, I, you know, everybody now still urges us every now and then. Somebody say, "When y'all gonna start back? Y'all gonna ever do the marriage ministry again?" And every time we say, "Yeah, we never do," and now the COVID is here, so it's like, ah, uh, I guess we want to put this on the back burner to get this going again. Uh, but our influence was uh, God, God really anointed the marriage ministry. He really put His hand on it. And I can tell you, you did more with it than we ever expected, more with it than we ever dreamed. And I think that's the way God works when people have right heart. Because we never went into it saying, we're about to have the biggest marriage ministry in Ohio, we got the biggest marriage ministry. We didn't go in like that. We we always wanted to do some kind of work. Mm. You know, like now, we just want to do something to be busy. And if it gives God glory it's a, and it's there and it helps the saints, that's what it's all about. And we kind of use reverse, you know, sometimes, like I say, we have to be, the church we're leading over here, brothers, we'll have to have really open eyes and open mind. 
because always the order is give God glory, help the saints. But when Jesus says loving your neighbor as yourself, the, the second is like unto it. When first John chapter four says, how can you say you love God and you hate your neighbor? God, you've never seen, but you see your brother every day. So when we look at it like that, we look at it sometimes that if it's a spiritual faith-filled welfare for God's people, then we know it gives God glory. See? Amen. So we operate to see how can we embed God's will in the people and our faith and strengthening because we know if we're doing that, we're bringing God glory. Yeah. And in it, um, I believe, what is it? It's Matthew 25, somewhere mm -hmm. between 35, 44, when he's basically saying, you know, when did you see me hungry? When did you, um, you know what? Let me not mess around with it. I'll pull it up. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, 30, uh, mm -hmm. 35, for I was hungry, you gave me food, mm -hmm. I was thirsty, you gave me drink, so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, well, Lord, when did these things happen? Well, when you took care of the least of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and that's how God is glorified. That's how they know who we are when we show love for one another, and they'll know who you are. They'll know that you're minds, and we got to always be mindful of those who are hungry, naked, or in prison or sick. We have to always be mind, and all those terms, uh are literal with spiritual overtone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because sometimes we'll say, well, it don't really mean if they were in prison, it don't really mean uh, if they were naked. But what does he mean? <laughs> mm. You know, it, it, again, it's not a parable. We have to be careful how we take things that say not literal because if it was something not to be taken literal, he never would have used himself. Mm -hmm. See? Now he used a parable that says there was a king that had a servant. Uh, there was a, a an employer who had her hired some hands in the field. And now he wants to lay a parable beside the actuality of him and God's working in spirit. But right here, he's talking about these, 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 and me. <laughs> well, now, so there's something about this that needs to be taken literal. <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't never put himself into a, a, a allegorical. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when, when we, when we do what we don't realize is when we do harm to one another, we're we are affecting Jesus Christ. And um and um and he said he says that about his church. Well, 
he says that about his church, but we look at it in another way, and we he says that about his body. If the if we are the yeah. body of Christ, then we're hurting the body of the Lord. That's that's powerful. When that's powerful when you think about it. That's powerful. You, you you're you're it. you're doing harm to your creator. That's like your hand cutting off your foot, mm. expecting the head not to have nothing to say about it or recognize it or be okay with it. And, and, and we should take the approach like, you know, for instance, you may see on the news <clears throat> someone's loved one in, the, in a nursing facility and they see somebody doing harm to their mother, grandmother, slapping them around, doing something. That's what we do. We, yeah. we are literally doing that. We're, we're, we're harming the one that has parental, that sh should have parental value to us. Yeah. We are um, not as mindful um, as, we're not as mindful of one another as I think the Lord be what what hurts the church is, and I say what hurts it is, um, we're mindful of a select because I have seven or eight people that I really love in this church. And I love all my church family, but it's seven or eight people that I really love. But what about the person over here that you really don't love like you really love this person? People know when you don't like them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they know when you put up with them or tolerate them. This is back all the way back to integrity. Mm. See, if I really love LaCroix, don't get me wrong, but I love John too. Well, in all of our inner reactions, no matter how much I mask it, he understands that my love for him is not on the same level. Mm -hmm. And the harm I do you is, you know that I love you more than him. What's that do to you? What's that do to you and his relationship? See, we don't think about, we don't take none of those things in view. You, you, you can be prideful and then on the flip side well when i do get on this bad side <laughs> i'm gonna be slotted down too well not and not not just slotted down again operating within the cast yeah because i've elevated you and you have to now maintain a position of elevation and know that we're gonna treat him good but we don't love him that way but we do love him and, and you know what how that affects now i can look down on john that's what while I'm at the same time breaking my back to always keep you happy so that that's, i don't lose my but that's but that's just what i said that's that's the cast yeah see i, I'm not, I, I don't want, i'm not going to teach that book here because it's not the proper platform but a lot of the migrants that came over here 
they didn't come over here as white people. They never had to be white. See, people don't even know that. The immigrants, they didn't have to be white. They adapted to the identification of being white when they came and sided with those who were labeled white when they came because they were the dominant class and they saw how the African-American or the black was treated, it kind of dictated what side they had to be on mm. in order not to be down there with them. Yeah. See, they never had to be white wherever they came from. And they didn't even know they were white. <laughs> but when they come to America, they had to say, uh, uh, African, I'm reading the book and it says an African playwright, real prominent, was being interviewed about her land and her country. And so the man asked her a question uh, that revolved around the blacks in Africa. And she told him in her African uh, accent or tongue, there are no, there are no blacks in Africa. Mm. And he said, that's got to be, in his mind, he said, that's got to be the most silliest, ignorant thing to say, all them black people over there. He said, what do you mean? She said, in my country, there are no blacks. There are no blacks in Africa. So we want to say, the only blacks when white men or American men come over there because in my country, we're not black. And she started naming all of what they were, but black wasn't one of them. Just people, mm -hmm. just tribes, just nations. See, we, we contaminated Africa with the apartheid with the uh, white Africans. Other than that, they were just Africans. Right. <laughs> but we went over there with you're African, but you're not black. <laughs> you're a white African, so at the end of the day, you're still white. Mm -hmm. Now you're making classifications. Exactly. All right, so let's not too much longer. So outside of the marriage ministry, um what what drove you to I want to be a deacon. Uh, because we like we like serving. Before, even before we became deacon, me and my wife used to. Uh, I worked third shift. I think she was working third shift or second shift, and we used to. Uh, in the mornings, we used to get up and go around and visit all of our senior people and spend the day with them. Mm. Take them to doctor appointments. Take them. My wife used to grab them and take them shopping. We go sit down and eat breakfast with them, just hang out with them, uh, do different things with them. And so we became very close with uh, the people who were hardly being ministered to in the church. Mm. So we started doing a lot. And, and at this time, I can honestly say, we deacons was the furthest thing from our mind. We weren't even thinking about, we, we didn't even had a title or position in mind. Oh, oh, so you were doing this prior? Oh, we was doing this way before. Gotcha. We didn't, we, like I said, we didn't have no inclination to anything with a name on it 
I don't even say we was doing it because we was Christians. We just do it because we thought that's what the love of God looked like. Hey, man, let's just take care of these people. It's not, hey, this is what Christians do. And, that, and those are all the ways we operate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When he made us the sons of God and the children of God to be like Christ. Christ, here's something that's funny. And I know we're going to use the clock to say we can use chronology to, to argue the argument. But Christ never said this is what it takes to be good Christians. He said, be holy as your father is holy. Hmm. So he's telling us to be like children of God. Be little guys. Follow me. Be like me. I'm doing everything my father wants me to do to make him happy. But he doesn't give us a pattern. I know we can go into the New Testament epistles and tell us how to live as Christians. But the letters are always still brothers and sisters, children of God. And then Peter one time almost addresses the idea of any man suffering him suffer as a Christian. But he's talking about one following Christ more than just the name. Right. And everything we do is behind the name. But we didn't have that in mind when we started uh, laboring. We just was doing it because we liked it. We hmm. knew how it made them feel. They feel good. good to see us. And then we took on the deacon role. And that came with our good, good, another good minister. God bless me with Brother Winston. And then he blessed me with Brother William Hogan. Because uh, William Hogan... Uh, Knew it was about it. People would always call and say, tell, you know, everybody want to talk to the preacher. Okay, I'm at Jamaica. They came by here. They took me shopping. They picked up grocery. They took me to the clinic. They took me to the doctor's appointment. But we didn't have no idea that they was telling him. Hmm. Then we started visiting people that wasn't coming to church. And people would come back and say, I just want to, they stand you now. Everybody's still in front of the church. And we just want to thank uh, this congregation and and good brothers and sisters like Kevin and Tamika that came over to our house and knocked our door and wouldn't even be here now. They wouldn't have been calling and coming over. But we weren't doing it for them to come back. Y'all make sure y'all tell them when y'all go back to church. <laughs> we just knew they hadn't been here for a while. We ain't seen Let's go see how they doing. Let's see what's wrong with them. Let's see what, how we can help. Mm. These, are just, these are just natural things. And I say natural, but natural if the love of God is, is housed in you. Mm. Mm. So William then was like, y'all, y'all want to get y'all some of these, you know, hats to wear in here, you know, deacon elders and all that kind of thing. It's another. I don't want to even go into that, at least not this cast. But so we ended up being deacons, and it still didn't change what we were doing. Matter of fact, it intensified us. My wife came up with a plan on how every deacon can be instrumental in the way we always believed in. I don't give you assignments or we didn't give out assignments. I'm using my wife because she's co-working with me. Hmm. We didn't give out assignments or plans that we weren't actively engaged in. So we came up with a plan on how to give all the deacons 25, 30 names and keep up with these people. You keep up with these people. And now everybody in the congregation, nobody's missed. And that, that okay. So, Cause that makes perfect sense when I first, um, came to Boulevard, uh, you know, of course, a, a fair share of people knew me from university. Mm -hmm. um, then there were a few that didn't. So with that being said, you know, time has passed. I've not in the church, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. 
I have become since married and I used to get those phone calls. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't you per se, but I remember those call lists. And I remember mm-hmm. uh, getting calls from either Clark or Brenda or Janine. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. all that. And people were so complicated. Like we were just telling you about the checklist Christians because then we would ask questions like, well, if Hatch is on our list, what about if me and Hatch already got a good relationship? Can I still call on? What a dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) Our plan was not to, for you to own a group of people. Our plan was to make sure nobody is missed in having a conversation with the church. Of course, if LaCroix and you have always been friends and you can relate to him better than me, he's on me and Tamika's list, but Clark, you've been known for a long time, but LaCroix is on my list. Does that mean, yes, we might not can be getting through to him, but it's still, we're still going to call him and encourage him. But when Clark, man, come on, man, you know you and I have been together a long time, man. You can hear him. And then they can say, yeah, but coming to me, they still called me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we just, <laughs> yeah, it's not funny, but it is funny of how we can just start being uh, like kitty-like, I guess. You know, I don't know what the word is. I don't have to, I'm not polished, so I don't have a political correct word. <laughs> But you know, questions like that are, are gender strife. You know, you don't have to ask, can you call somebody that you've always been in touch with or you've always known them or it's a senior that you've always treated you like a mother. Then they got when it started getting so far out of hand, we started doing things like, well, since you already got a relationship with her, we just put her on your list. Just you know, just <laughs> they just we just double down on calls then. <laughs> Whoever you want to call or visit, feel free. Yeah. You got feet, get going, you know, giddy up. <laughs> you don't need a permission, don't got to be on your list. But we want to make sure by all means, nobody in the building goes without a phone call or visitation, car, whatever. And, and out of sincereness, because I'm sure these people meant well. Yeah. But what, whether they didn't realize that they're creating that caste system that you're talking about, because now what happens is, all right, Kev got X, Y, and Z personally list, but I know them as well, so I'm going to call them as well. Good thing. Yeah. But then you're going to have the next person say, well, I only got one call. And yeah. then all of a sudden, well, why they get two calls and I only get one? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's the only person that called me. I don't... And then he's the only person that called me. None of the rest of them don't call me. So, like, <laughs> you you naturally start feeling slighted. Absolutely. And we and we did, but but I don't have no, I don't have I don't have anything negative to say about it. that system worked well while it was working because the congregation started feeling engaged with everybody. Yeah. And and it did work well. Everybody were excited. Everybody would be able to come back and say, I got my card or I got my phone card. They were people were happy to be in touch with the congregation because then now, because you have a list and nobody's missed, when we come back to the deacon elders members, things can be discussed where people are hurting, lacking, missing. They ain't been in a while. What's 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 the deal on brother so and so? He ain't been about three weeks. Ain't on your list. Yeah, I'm gonna go by and visit them this weekend. You want to take somebody with you? Yeah, I'm gonna take uh, oh no, me and my wife going, whatever the case may be. 
But now still, everybody is on top of everybody mm -hmm. and we all have the same information. No child left behind. <laughs> yeah, basically. Because now we have uh, a network for the church. You know, so. so brother, when did you get the inclination to want to stand up in front of that microphone and, and give that good word? I didn't, brother. Again, that's a tribute to Brother Hogan. <laughs> he, kept, he kept pressing me, pushing me, pressing me, and pushing me, and I appreciate him for that. Um, and then after doing a couple of different ventures, going different places to speak here and there, across the city, across the brotherhood. And then uh, time came for, um, I got an invitation to come and be the speaker at, an, at another congregation. So. Uh, it was, it was, he was, he was always pressing me to excel. Hmm. And so I appreciate that in him because it, it was forcing me to grow and be uncomfortable growing. Sometimes you got to be uncomfortable in growth. Hmm. Yeah. I'm learning that the hard way. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't ask teaching nothing. I, I tell everybody's story proudly. He asked me about teaching first principle to the converse. Uh, we were going on vacation. I said, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I got to pray on that. Well, we went on vacation. We came back. He already announced to the church that we was teaching first principle. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, y'all know Brother Mac Henry. He's going to be the teacher over first principle. I never told him yes. You're going to get in there and do it, though. <laughs> he already had delivered me up for the slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now you've been preaching. How many years have been preaching now? Oh, let's see. What's this? You hitting a decade yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Over 10. Okay. Over 10, yeah. Because I was preaching. I had been out to preach all while I was a deacon. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, I did a couple of ventures out while I was a deacon. Sure did. Mm -hmm. So now, so now, Mr. McHenry, you're planting a congregation and uh, be as candid as you need to be with this uh, question. Uh, so you're planting a congregation, little to no support outside of your family. Um, you've done the marriage ministry, you've done these different things throughout the city. Um, do you feel portrayed by that? No. This is this has by far been the most challenging, but it's been the most rewarding at the same time. Uh, it's kind of like the bitter with the sweet, mm. uh, but it's been the most rewarding uh, because we're not doing anything new, but in all of those other things, God's hand was evident. God's hand was revealed openly. Like I said, he touched the marriage ministry and everybody saw it blossom. He just went through Tamika and myself. He touched our deacon work and everybody felt it in the congregation. You know, I was, was at, in our deaconship, I'm, and I'm gonna digress a little. We not only did the marriage ministry, I was over, I was minister over education. I've been minister over the worship. <laughs> Minister over the outreach evangelist. <laughs> you know, I think the only thing we didn't ever have was the uh, seniors or the um, benevolence. I think that's the only thing we never touched. Mm. 
But everything else, we ran through. And I say ran through, just kicking it with you. We ran through. So by the time we get to a place now where we're planting, God has already given us opportunity by experience the things necessary to do things like orchestrate a, a bad giveaway. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, uh, Thanksgiving complete bag and, and my wife, uh, the beauty of the diamond she is, is able to get the ladies and, and the men, because when she's leading, it's going to be one of those another church problems right here. I'm finna mistake, make a statement. <laughs> when she's leading and she's heading up a ministry like that, she's in charge. Well, guess what? The brothers have to listen and follow along to the direction she's giving too. But it's the familiarity with the work that we know what we're doing. We've done this on many levels. Mm-hmm. You know, we we set out to give out uh, 300 bag book bags at the Euclid, and we ended up giving over 500 book bags mm. by our footwork. And I'm going to say our because I'm going to steal a little bit of her shine. But she went through all of the housing, apartment buildings. We even, now we did take the children out because the children were young. They were excited. They get out and go put flyers in doors and all of that stuff. They were happy. It was racing each other so we could put the most flyers in doors. So we went all up and down <laughs> that that lakeshore coast over there of Euclid, all the way made the circle all the way around Willoughby, Willowit, come back down the Chardon Road side of Euclid, back all the way down to 105th where Cleveland touches Euclid. And we touched all that. And next thing you know, we give away over 500 book bags. Wow. And I say book bags, I'm not talking about paper, ink, pen. I'm talking about we had the school, we then went to the uh, Walmart or the schools and got their list from K through 12. And we had our tables organized and set up to where the book bags from K through one didn't hardly differ, but they differed a little bit three through four. So every table had their colored pencils, uh, their erasers, their glue, their binders, uh, the whole scabang, mm. all the way down to the seniors needing projectors. Oh, what you call it, thing? Oh, yeah, that's right, right. The protractors. Protractors. Yeah. Protractors. <laughs> we give away no projectors, <laughs> protractors. Say <laughs> I'm not polished, man. I'm not smart. Protractors, <laughs> calculators, all that stuff came in the back because the 11th and 12th graders needed those instruments. They were on the school list, mm. and all those things are in our book bags. Wow. So we just have a, uh, not, and I said it to get back to where we are now, planting, it's, it's challenging, it's very challenging, <laughs> but it's rewarding because we like to see the people that we can, I used to always say when I was with the first principal class, Brother Hogan used to always use it from the pulpit. Now as my brother Matt Henry would say, go out and be contagious. Mm. You know what I mean? That's mm. where he got that, because I used to always say, go out and tell the class, whatever you're out taking out here, and, and what in the ministry we took, I'm gonna tell you what we did with the first principal class. We took the converse and we gave the converse quietly. It was like covert operation. All the converse had congregation lists. They started calling members. So we got them active immediately. Wow. Calling members. Oh, you don't even gotta know them. I'm sister brother so and so, but they were babes. Yeah, just wanted to call and check on you, see how you doing. 
Wow. So we had the converse calling. They probably like, who these people calling? Print, print, <laughs> but started building. It didn't, yeah. take, it didn't take the converse long to become acclimated because people knew them from calling. This is what a church being busy is all about. So now while we're trying to plant, we're trying to take some of our experiences and, and, and touch this congregation. Every time I touch this sensitive. I hear you, you good. Um, we're trying to uh, take this congregation. I may, I minimize it somehow. You good, uh, keep talking. <laughs> okay, we had, uh, we're trying to take what our experiences and by divine anointment <laughs> uh, place our hands on the people of this family so they can have that same spirit a uh, li little bit harder because uh, people right now are being um, coming from a lot of different congregations have a lot mm -hmm. of church hurt a little bit more stubborn uh, but it's rewarding nevertheless you know it's rewarding it's, it's tiresome it's trying Yes, it is. I won't deflate any of that or, or not, like, not act like it's, it's, it's truth in that. Um, sometimes it can be discouraging and disappointing. Mm. But when I wake up and every day, I wake up on the right side of, of God, and that puts me on the right side of the work. Uh, the Bible says that the, uh, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning or new every day. Mm. And when I think about that, it's like I, I can always wake up knowing that I'm in the grace of God, brand new today. Mm -hmm. Guess what? This congregational intent and effort here have got to be in my good graces and my good mercies every day. So mm -hmm. that's really how I kind of deal with it, man. Even when I say, even when it's disappointing or deflating. I don't even when they give me those Charlie Brown moments like good grief, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's still a pleasure. And I thank God for the opportunity. It's never, it's never tiring or, or you know, never made me want to just, I might want to throw the towel in, but I could never throw it. I might have it in my hand at the edge of the ropes, but I can't. I think if I threw the towel in, I have the speed to get in there and catch it before it hit the mat. <laughs> Still got some of that speed left. Huh? Yeah, I, yeah, I'd be under the ropes and be stretched out like that dude on that on that bounty commercial. No, I'd be catching the towel before it hit the mat. That's good. That's good. So, um, misconceptions before we get out of here. What's what's the biggest misconception about Mister McHenry? About me? Yes, sir. Um, that I'm mean or overbearing or um, people think I'm angry but I'm just serious because people that know me personally know I joke and kid and laugh a lot I just don't allow joke kidding and laughing to circumvent the work or the way and uh, I think people mistake their uh, old person said that familiarity breeds contempt mm -hmm. The more comfortable people get with you, the more prone they are to do things until they learn 
that that's not you or your work is a work of integrity. People have to see that practice in you before they get used to it. A misconception, I'm not mean, I'm not angry, I'm not overbearing. I don't think I know it all. I'm not always right, but I work toward all those things. Not to always be right, not to be mean. I'm learning more how to control my language, not, not cursing, just telling folk off or, or, or blowing people away with the wrongs. Uh, just know that I have a heart for the people and a love for people, not just Christians, but people. Mm-hmm. And I'm more understanding uh, than people might give me credit for. Yeah. I'm hey. way more compassionate and understanding. And, and I'm thankful that I've uh, I've known that. I had an upbringing that I've often told you kind of prepared me to put up with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, and I've always understood it. And um, even in the midst of a, a, a year with the pandemic and, and all its stressfulness, I just told my wife, this has been the most rewarding year of my existence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and you, you played a significant role in it. Um, and let me let me let me circle back to some of the things you said about being uncomfortable. Um, I'm gonna give you your flowers where you definitely deserve them. Uh, when I first got to Boulevard, um, I'm still trying to get my feet back grounded. Mm-hmm. I had spent so many years like the prodigal um, sleeping and feeding with pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, that I vividly remember we were shorthanded on ushers for whatever reason. You threw me in there. You you just basically, hey, can we use you? And me not being one to back down from a challenge or whatever, or just wanting to be helpful where I can help, sure. Then, God bless the marriage ministry because when me and my wife were going through some troubling times, I reached out to you and I didn't even know who you were. I mean, mm-hmm. you were a face that I seen. I knew that you directed traffic for lack of better words, mm-hmm. um, which led to some words to help strengthen me through a storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that storm was just getting started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was another time you probably don't remember this. And, uh, Me and my wife had separated mm-hmm. and we came to a Wednesday class and I'm just picking up the pieces because I know even in the midst of this, God is going to provide, mm-hmm. I'm going to get where I need to be. I just got to stay on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like Paul told those guys, stay on the boat. Yeah. Stay on the boat. And I just said, okay. I have time to start going to Wednesday classes and do all the things that I can't do being married and doing things of a, of a dad right now, I got some extra time on my hands Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you asked me at the beginning of the class to get up and pray. I hadn't got up in front of a congregation instead of praying. I don't know how long. And 
I don't even know where I found the strength to even come up with a sentence to say to that class. Mm -hmm. But it girded me up to start getting ready to do different things. So it's like, okay, if this is being placed on me, I can do the next thing. And I can do the mm -hmm. next thing. And even when you weren't at Boulevard, I always felt that you were gearing me for the next thing or was able to lend some advice on those next things. Mm. Um, and to get me prepared, even when I'm uncomfortable doing it, you have no idea how much I appreciate that mm. um, in, 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 in retrospect. Um, you know, some of the the answers you provided to some of the bonehead questions I had, it, it was timeless. And, and that's why when we renewed our vows, there was no other person in the world I could think of to say, hey, we can rekindle this. Mm -hmm. So I definitely greatly appreciate it. Um, I appreciate all your words of encouragement. I thank you for being the you that you are. And I want you to keep up the good work. Um, I appreciate now serving alongside you. Oh, man, um, appreciate it. It's mutual. You know, I just, who knew a pandemic was, maybe I brought the storm along when I left the shores of the boulevard and said, let me go help this guy out. <laughs> you a leper, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You <laughs> infected the whole nation. Yes. But, um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine going through 2020 doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it right now. Um, this was, you know, to be in cahoots with my family now. I, I trust you alongside of my family. Um, I, I, I love you and have a deep, deep appreciation for you. I love your story. Um, I love everything that you're about. To those that might come across this podcast, me and him have bumped heads about a few things. Mm -hmm. Everything hasn't always been roses, mm -hmm. uh, but you've definitely been a big brother and I, and I appreciate everything you've done for me. So uh, that being said, somebody that's come through storms like you have, what, what's the last word of advice you can give somebody? But you already gave him, you gave it for me. No matter what, no matter how, no matter how, tough to storm to get even if the boat is shattered in a million pieces stay in the boat stay in the boat because i know sooner or later this boat will find the shores of all your expectations in god and the glory of god so no matter what no matter how long this covid lasts no matter how rocky the marriage no matter if divorce comes your way your child ends up in a jumpsuit or uh six feet under God forbid, the loss of parents, uh, the loss of monies, uh, health, you know, no matter what the storm looks like, even just within the, within the corridors of your own mind, you're just so confused, you can't figure things out, uh, stay in the boat. Amen. Stay in the boat. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll release you. I'll release you. Thank you for your time, sir. God bless you. God bless you. And I really appreciate this time and and, and the invitation. God bless you and your journey. All right. Uh, All right. No.
Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore pod. Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DaVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydavita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydavita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs for you. That's doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, doodlebugs by DaVita.